Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. Hello and welcome to another episode of Genius at Scale. Today's guest is Casey Wu. Casey is the CEO of both the Operators Guild and Fog Ventures. Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, John. It's great to be here. Um, about myself, the short version is uh, I'm an immigrant kid from L.A. Uh, I have a stint in the military at West Point. Then I studied economics at Harvard and was told that there's two steps to Nirvana. Uh, step one is go to an island called Manhattan and get a banking job. Step two is get a hedge fund private equity job and retire. Uh, I made it to the hedge fund step and realized this is probably not the way I want to retire or work. Um, what I was really interested in is building and building companies. Uh, so my first 10 years was military in Wall Street. My second is being an operator. So I've been at over seven distinct companies from pre-seed to pre-IPO as both CFO, COO, and a lot of uh, phantom titles in between. And along the way, I built a community called the Operators Guild and run an investing syndicate called Fog Ventures. Uh, personally, um, married with three beautiful children, seven, five, and three. Uh, we were 10 years New York, and now we're 10 years San Francisco Bay Area. And I am really glad to be here. That's great. Well, welcome. Um, right off the bat, I, um, I'm curious, how did your, um, your military and Wall Street um, adventure, I'll call it, how did it prepare you to be in the C-suite? Because it's, it's not a, they're very different mentalities and methodologies. Yes. And as we all probably know, our, where we've been, you know, makes us who we are, uh, for better or worse. So a few things that stand out. One is uh, West Point. So to be specific, I went to West Point. I never served. Uh, we can have a whole other podcast on uh, my, my dual undergrad. But I love many parts about it. So one is you learn about yourself. So how it prepared me was one is it taught me I loved people. The camaraderie of the military was something I took away. The second in the military is just good old hardship, discipline, hardship, and specifically the way the leadership curriculum at West Point is part of it is failing. Because when you think about most of people's lives as a civilian, you get to pick the college you go to. If you don't want to call, don't go to college. You don't need to. If you want to go to go late to class, you can. Uh, at West Point, there's no choice like that. And when you went to boxing class, that's not what I picked. You're going to fail. And so anyways, learning to pick yourself up and to deal with the failure and rejection and to move forward. So that was a big one. Uh, and just perseverance, right? Determination. Way too long of a rucksack march that is way too painful in disgusting conditions. And guess what? You got to finish it, right? So that happens a lot in startups. 
Wall Street taught me a ton about what makes a company valuable. Because when you think about investing at the core, it's you're trying to value a business. And if it's too high or too low, you can transact and make money. And so the understanding of business models, how to break them apart, how to analyze them analytically, um, you know, Excel spreadsheet skills matter a lot, actually, and how to use it. So the tooling of that prepared me really well to become on the corporate side. So I call it sell side, buy side, corporate side. I've, I've circled all three. And once you circle all three, it's kind of like you see the three-dimensional picture. Uh, and now, as an operator, it's much more easy for me to understand fundraising, dynamics, who we're speaking to. Oh, it's a banker. What's their incentive? Why do they say that? It's a venture capitalist, different incentive model, different interests. So really understanding asset management, capital markets, and people full circle. And then, of course, having built a bunch of businesses uh, has helped me in the, in the, in the whole. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm curious, is there, um, if you do, is your skill set now like a Venn diagram of the three circles and just the intersection of, of buy, sell, and corporate? I never thought about that that way, but yes, that's one way to cut it is, is the three dimensional, three dimensionality of businesses, which is, you know, investing, building, and uh, I guess the capital market side, you know, uh, advising. Yeah. No, it's interesting because most founders are oftentimes are product people. They say, oh, Casey and I founded a product and now we're going to scale it. You go, that's great. We don't understand the sell side. We don't understand fundraising. We learn it as you go, but you had that kind of walking in because you had been on the other side of that. Yeah, the, the weird analogy is like um, I've been an uncle, dad, and son. You know, and and, and, and and that's really so there's different perspectives, and then you get to see the whole entire family dynamic um, because you sat in all three seats. Is there a godfather as well? Is that a different? <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure there is. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So then, uh, if you took either the Operators Guild or Fog Ventures, how do you measure or how do you count, if you will, scale? Like, how do you, how do you measure yourself and say we're scaling or we're not? We're flatlining. Yeah, scale is a good question. I mean, th this one I feel like I try not to overthink it. Um, scale one, I think, has to do with the second derivative, which is acceleration and 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 speed of change, sure. um, or more commonly called growth. Right? Just are you growing fast for your stage? Yep. Um, stage is everything. Right, and I call it a you're your three year old or your forty year old or your seventy year old. Very different what it means to be growing rapidly at those ages. Yep. Um, so the first is just speed and acceleration of change, and scaling to me, yes, is bigger, not smaller. So magnitude: two million all else equal is better than one million. Mm -hmm. Some people can differ, but I. That's just that's just my definition of scale. So, so growing at very fast speeds. Um, now, scale obviously does not necessarily mean profitability. So, if you just ask me specifically, scale, it's growing above the peer set. Sorry, I take that back. Scale is just simply growing at a materially rapidly rate and continually getting bigger in magnitude. Specifically, hitting scale translation past profit market fit. That's another way of looking at it. 
is uh, you're doing very few tweaks to pricing or product. And you're having a hard time keeping up with hiring salespeople. Yeah, you're just, you're just pouring gas on the fire. Yeah. It's coming, the, the CAC, to be very, very analytical, the acquisition cost is dropping. Yep. That's one way to tell that you are scaling. I'm curious about a definition. The definition we've used with, with uh, we work with CEOs mostly, is that you're growing 50% faster than your industry. At what point do you... Do you compare yourself to your industry rather than just focus on internal metrics and look, we got to worry about ourselves. We don't need to worry about our industry yet. Yeah, this is where you saw me pull back. I said peer set and then I pulled back. Yeah. Because I was I was going down the that is definitely the whole like compared to the bell curve, right? So I so I read your question less as what's considered fast versus normal, which, yep. which then becomes 50% greater because th the pure set could be growing really fast. Like, so, and achieving scale. So scale to me is a very individualistic is have we, has, has the individual company achieved scale regardless of pure set? Um, I can be big and scaling regardless if my competitors are even bigger. Yeah. Okay. So, right. But from a relative standpoint, I think what's more interesting is stage. So, of course, industry. You know, biotech is a different size gauge than energy. Like, I get that. I always talk about stage. Uh, one example would be dysfunction. So I'll get back to your question about scale, but dysfunction is an easy one. I think all companies are dysfunctional to some degree. But generally speaking, the dysfunction at a th early, early company is a different flavor than at a very, very mature company. Correct. It's no different than the dysfunction of a three-year-old toddler. Versus a teenager. Yeah. Versus a teenager versus a, a you and me right now, right? Right. Different types of dysfunction. Three-year-old's color on the wall. Right. So if you, if you think you're talking to your 40-year-old, you think, oh, my gosh, this is the most dysfunctional place ever. But if you compare the company to other early-stage three-year-olds, the dysfunction might be actually better and less same thing with scale so this is the whole classic you know when you when you're really small 100% growth may not be that fast it's 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 an interesting you say the thing about the 3 year old the teenager and the 4 year old yeah. we have long maintained with when we were going to see suite there's only one difference between a fourth grader and a senior vp of marketing you know what it is Height. Because <laughs> yeah. the truth is, 40-year-old senior VPs of marketing oftentimes act like a four-year-old. They just have a they have a better outward appearance. And, you know, they're a four they're four or they're a fourth grader. And it's not a whole lot different. And when you think in those terms, it's much easier to manage them. You just go, oh right, they didn't get picked for the team on the playground. Oh, they're pouting. Oh, okay. Yeah, now I know what to do. You go, they're just pouting as a 40 year old about their budget. You go, yeah, I got it. They're being a fourth grader. I'm parenting forever. So I would actually take the, what you said, which is 50% above the peer set and just throw in the variable stage. That's all. Yes. That makes sense. So, 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 sorry. Peer set to me might sound like industry, but if it's industry and stage, yeah, I would actually go back with what you just said. Well, it's, it's, uh, yeah, we, you're hearing it everywhere. People are saying, oh my gosh, we just, we're, we're, we're growing like crazy and think, you're an AI. If you're not going like this, 
you're failing. And they say, we're growing 35% a year. And they go, then you're, be, you're probably behind because <laughs> the industry's growing 100% a year. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear people chirp about themselves. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're, you're, you'll be dead in three years. You'll be exactly. you're not going to exactly. get acquired and you're not going to make it. But uh, yep. yeah, that's, yep. that's, that's funny. So I'm, I'm curious, um, obviously, this is a, a hard scrabble game. It's, it's, uh, you play kind of like your West Point stories. You get a rucksack that's too, too heavy and the march is three times longer than you want it to be in yucky conditions. And you got a pebble in your shoe. You don't get any cho other choice. I'm curious, um, what have been maybe your biggest hacks or your biggest um, discoveries perhaps on, on what's worked for you specifically to scale organizations? Because you've been in many. It's a great question. I think I think there could be a couple different questions you're asking. Is one, how do you push through when things are just getting hard, like the pebble? and the, Or are you saying, because scale is a different question to me. Um, you can be pushing hard and it's downsizing. Um, yeah. So is the question, how do you, what lessons have I learned in scaling and growing or no. in pushing through tough times, regardless of what direction you're going? If, if you're not tough and you're an entrepreneur, you're going to lose because it's a, it's a tough game and, and the, the game will sort you out. No, I'm more curious about, um, uh, I've heard some incredible hacks from founders from the podcast where they say, oh, what I learned was this works and this works for me. It might work for other people or not. I'm curious what you've learned yeah. that's kind of like an maybe an unfair advantage to say, yeah, I, Jay, this, this may not work for everybody, but this works for me and this is, this is how I get yeah, through. This is a great one and I want to hear about every single other person's answer to this because I think that is a really cool question. Um, I, have a, I have a few. The ones that just come to mind, and once again, I'm not sure if this is answering exactly what you're saying, but one thing I've learned over time from my first operator job to my 20th, I asked myself, how am I improving? How am I getting better? And I see it when I work with more junior or less experienced people on the team. It's the not even 80-20 rule. It's the 5-95 rule. Yeah. When you go, when you go through enough startup cycles, you start to realize what matters and what doesn't. Because yep. the number one variable that we're really dealing with is time. You only have a certain amount of finite time and resources. So rookie Casey took everything seriously and spent 100 calories on 1,000 things each. Old Casey is like, you know those 100 things? Those will sort themselves out. That doesn't really matter. That's going to hurt, but who cares? It's two things. And by the way, I've done it so many times, it's two calories each. So I spent four calories getting the job done rather than one million. And you didn't waste any time on 800, 800 calories that you could have burned doing stupid right. stuff. Which honestly, when people say, you know, why do you purchase experience? It's really that. Yeah. Another great analogy is kids. Our first kid was exhausting. We did everything. Slept with Our third kid... Sleeps in a rucksack and in the dark. Uh, uh, yeah, autopilot. Yeah, and is a lot easier from a calories because we know when she's crying, what matters, what doesn't. Is right. a one hundred two fever 
ER or 105. It's no different. My biggest hack is knowing what matters to spend your time on. Uh, that's great. That's a, it's a brilliant one. So now I'm also curious. Um, it's a journey when you're building a company. And there's the, there's the Harvard, Harvard Business School version where everything just goes like this year over year. And you just go public five years later and you're on the cover of Wired Magazine. That's great. But I don't know that story. It's so few and so rare. What, I wonder if there's an episode or a, um, a watershed moment where you say, oh, my God, that might kill us. And obviously, you had to have made it through to get this far. What did you learn from that? Uh, call it a colossal setback or mistake, or it could have been the markets. Just you didn't, you didn't, um, you didn't see the markets. Or uh, I'm curious if you had a watershed moment like that, and how did it help you in the end? Obviously, to be respectful to my former employers, I'll probably talk in generalities. Yeah, but... that's fine. No, I'm more interested in the lesson, not the company. I'm sorting through so many bad things right now. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to pick which one. I have many. I'm just trying to picture one that's worthwhile to even talk about. Um, one in particular was just working with the CEO and then all of a sudden realizing, oh no, this is a much deeper issue uh, re regarding their management style, what's happening to them personally. Um, uncovering there's always skeletons and then there's a whole boatload of other skeletons. And I think those are those watershed moments of I've got a much greater turnaround on my hand than I thought because the, because the capacity of the CEO and what, what was becoming the incapacity of the CEO. And yeah, they, that's what I meant. Is there a lack of, their lack yeah, of yes. Yeah. Um, to a severe degree that I is not for me to talk about, but Basically, it's like, oh, am I the CEO now? Right. Like, what, what, what? And obviously, they're still the CEO. So there's like, come in and help me build and fix certain things, and then come and help me. Oh my gosh, this is not what you told me it was. Um, the learning lesson is, and I think a lot of operators and sort of people, we all ask the question of what could I have asked differently? What could I have diligence differently? Right. That's a very common one. I think you can get better at it. I think you can get better at avoiding things. Um, so the learning lesson there is reference checks on the CEO. Uh, now, people do that, but I think you're looking for certain things. Do people follow them? Would they work for them again? That tells a lot. Um, asking the question of when have you been really upset and battled with the CEO and ask six people. So it's all about the pattern. So a, a true serum question I ask is, if I spoke to your last 20 colleagues or 20 managers or 20 friends or 20 ex-boyfriends and girlfriends, whatever, whatever, what would they instantaneously tell me? The same thing in regards to, you name it, whatever it is, your strength, your uh, what, what they can't stand about you. It's almost like a truth serum question. Um, and anyways, my point is that learns a lot because that's who I'm dealing with. I'm marrying the CEO. And you're marrying them at, them at their worst is what you have to prepare for most. That's right. It's no yeah. different than any relationship. Right. So, so, so my hack is think of it like a business marriage. 
how would you treat a marriage is you travel with them you you know try to understand obviously you have a lot less time so the hack is how do you get to those values how do you deal with conflict the last part that i learned and um, you know, I'll write a little post about this is your CEO has another title, find out what it is. So what I realized was Steve Jobs is CMO and CPO. He's not just CEO. CEO is a title of the lead of all the execs. That is one job, but deep inside before they were CEO, they have a passion and a superpower. So for example, I obviously have a CFO ish or COO-ish thing. So if I ever became CEO, you probably don't want to be my CFO. Right, because you're going to eat their lunch if they're not prepared. And not even eat their lunch. It's I have too, too strong of an opinion. Yeah, got it. Because you're not the CFO, I am. They don't they don't like release it that easily. Right. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos is chief customer officer. I would not want to be in charge of customer yeah. service. Right. So that's the other hack is when you pick a job – are you complimentary or stepping right into their lane? No, it's great. Um, I'm curious how often have either you played the role or you've worked with a CEO who's really a CEE, a chief executive, of everything. Like they stick their nose in everywhere they. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the answer is yes. I, I've had uh, two of them. Well, early on, kind of everybody's a CEE because you don't have the staff, but. That, that parsing, it's, I find it's hard to scale if you keep all those roles. You can't, you can't do them all at a certain point. But I mean, yeah, you're a leadership coach. You don't need to, I don't need to tell you. One of the biggest things for early founders or CEOs is letting go. Yeah, it's a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah, the other hack, we had more time, is obviously delegating everything and, and all things that you're not as good at yeah. and, and letting go. And that's a more powerful way, in my opinion, of growing scaling than what yeah. I call Rambo. Rambo fights yeah. wars by himself, but guess what? I would rather bet on an army than Rambo. Me too. Me too. No, that's great. Um, you mentioned um, reference checks. Uh, one of the you also ask about uh, other hacks that people had. One of the great hacks that I heard, which made perfect sense, and I had never heard it before, was a back channel versus reference checks. The theory being, you will only give people who are going to speak highly of you as references. Yeah. So I can check them all and I might get a skewed. And so what you do is privately, you just back channel and call people and say, do you know this guy? Yeah, I worked for him. Oh, great. Would you mind talking to me yeah. about it? That's not a reference check. Yeah. That's a back channel. Um, yeah, sorry. That's a better way. What I should, so the answer is I do both. I got it. And this yeah. goes back to when you add up both, you will find the truth. Oh, interesting. Because it's all consistency. So if eight out of 10 say, I'll tell you, one of them was a very interesting, they said the same thing and it and it was not apparent through all my meetings with the CEO. I was like, I would never have guessed that. I was like, I really? And I would almost doubt them. Yeah. So one of them was like, he has a short leash. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, he'll just cut you. Right. And I'm like, well, and then I'm talking to him and then, you know, you hear stories. I'm like, that doesn't add up. And everyone would say it. And then three years into my business marriage, I would look back like, God, he just, the minute he's decided he's done with you. You're out. You're out. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, ah, so the truth, and there's back channels that said that there was his reference checks that said it. Yeah. So 
Either way, you're right. But the, the duality of it is actually even better. Because if they're, if they're so different, then there's, a, there's another red flag. Yeah. yeah. Who, like, wow. But this one in particular was amazing. He's like, whoever you want, pick them. Right. Like, so you can tell by if they're propaganda or not. You can tell. Yeah. My favorite back channel is when people say, I don't feel comfortable talking about them. I go, thank you. That's all I yeah. needed to know. Yeah. You, go, you seem like a reasonable human being. And if you're not going, okay, good. Yeah, because they don't want they don't want to have to see that person and get get the back. And it's like, hmm, okay, helpful. Um, what do you optimize for in no, maybe give us a little uh, background of you're running two companies, but they're they're sort of um, kissing cousins a little bit. Um, what do you what do you optimize for on a daily basis that's a great question i love what i do because they all interconnect so i'm not like running a pizza shop and a coal mine right Right. like like it's so real quick so so one first and foremost i love building stuff whether it's legos ikea furniture or a company my mind is a builder um, yep. And I think anyone listening who's an operator will be nodding their head right now. Like we are addicted to building. Okay. Right. So my optimize for building something interesting that I think will provide value of some sort, either to the world or to pay for my kid's tuition, like, it, you know, whatever it is. Like, so that's the overall, I think with most people, you know, they're going towards something that they, they value. Now, when it comes to the operators guild, um, first and foremost, I am an operator. Operators Guild is a community of operators, right? right? So right there, it's just part of me getting better at what I do. So it's like a giant Lego convention. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I kind of run a Lego convention. I love, I'm a Lego builder. Right. And then FOG, which I don't think most people know, FOG Ventures stands for Four Operators Guild. And so what is it? It's the operating syndicate that, is in OG, is within OG, like you can call it kissing cousins. Absolutely. It's an investing syndicate that's separate, but not separate. The Venn diagram is 80% of right. 90% of the members of OG are in fog. Right. And so to use that great analogy is, you know, we invest in other Lego companies. Sorry, we invest in products that help Lego builders. Right. So it's all one big Lego convention. On that side, it's investing in cool Lego products and tools. And one side, it's building with Lego people. Uh, the other is socializing with Lego people. Right, right. So, Talking about what you just built. <laughs> yeah, so to me, it's all one big thing. Someone has said, are you full-time this or that? And I made the mistake of saying, well, I'm part-time. Because no, you're full-time. You're full-time in both. Yeah. Everything. They're both full-time roles. And it's all one big thing. It's not three things. It's two, the, the legal entities, there's two. But to me, it's just building both. And they all come, they build together. Got it. So... But I optimize actually when it comes to OG and um, fog for one thing, that the value and the helpfulness to the members of the LPs. Oh, the community. It, it's yeah. very much the uh, Jeff Bezos obsessive focus on who you're serving. Right. Got it. Got it. Um, the uh, there's a concept we've we've become pretty uh, fluent with with our with our leadership candidates. And that is a company can only scale as fast as the fill in the blank, as the CEO, but you can actually apply that to anybody in the C-suite because if your CMO is dragging, you're going to get your ass kicked. But uh, talk to me about that. True or false? And how, how have you seen that play out? The whole like weakest link type? 
Is that what you Not mean? Link, but uh, we take it as a CEO because we figure a mm. fit, theory being a fish rots from the head down. Yeah. If your CEO is not scaling their own capacity or capability as a CEO, you think of Bezos when he started, he had one capability and they started with what? Selling books at airports. Yep. yep. And he had to scale himself multiple times over yep. times a thousand to still be the CEO 25 years later. And most, there's very rare, it's rare. Zuck, you see it, Bezos, not very many. Yeah, there's no question. I, 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 that is the case. Um, I, I, as you're saying that, I was going through probably over 20 CEOs. I've worked seven deeply, um, and every one of them, you keep evolving and growing, or you're out, or your business is out, um, because you are the limiting factor or the growth factor. Um, you carry too much weight. So, because other other philosophies are, well, if you hire a really smart team around you, they can build ahead of you. Not if you're in their way. Yeah. Um, you could, and but here's the, even even if they'll just leave. You know, people that if you're in their way and they think so, that's the other thing. So they are the limiting factor. Uh, even if you you hire the best team in the world, if you, as long as you're in their way or help, you know in front of them, uh, you, know, you got to keep running fast. Otherwise, they're going to knock into you. My, my experience is that they go across the street and set up shop and compete against yeah, you. That, that's exactly figure, as long as you're the CEO, they can kick your ass. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very interesting thing called, the, do you want to be rich or do you want to be king? Oh, interesting. And uh, that happens to a lot of founders, right? Is they want to be both. I think the really astute ones... Well, so it's, it's, there's a quadrant, you know, there's like uh, the Zuckerbergs and, and Bezos are the very rare. Very can, rare. Right? Yeah. And then there's like people that, I don't know, like Sergey and them, you know, hey, Eric Schmidt, come on in. Sure. You know, you go be king. Like, you know, because that's not what we do. And right. I think that's more the smart way to do it. But some people, it takes a long time for them to realize that. Is that an ego thing probably? I think it's a lot of things. I, I definitely, there's, I think it's just your baby. That's what, that's what I, that's what I hear. People say, gosh, the board, the board wants me to go uh, still with my board seat, but they want to replace me. And they're offended by that. And you go, yeah, you've, you've crapped out. You're, you're flatlining at, at, at 5 million and they can't afford to flatline at 5 million. So you, you can't do that for two years because you'll be dead. And so they replace you. It's not, I don't even think it's personal. It's just, like you say, the, the optimization for a VC is not your ego. That's exactly right. I think once you realize like what's better for my baby and if what's better for my baby is a different parent, it's a, it's a hard thing to swallow, but, but if you, who's first, your baby or you? If it's you, you're going to just hold on to this thing until regardless of what happens to the you know baby. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, the other, the other area I'd like to delve in a little bit, um, we work a lot with clients on the ideal risk profile for a CEO. And they interpret that like there's one ideal risk profile for a CEO. And I hold it just the opposite, which is you have an inherent risk profile. As a parent, as an investor, as a CEO, how do we optimize your specific risk profile to match your company as opposed to saying, Casey's not risk tolerant enough, or he's too risk tolerant. We need somebody more conservative. 
Are you talking about when you're investing in someone? Are you talking about when you're joining no, someone? I'm, no. So so take uh, take Elon. Elon is um, he's got such a healthy appetite for risk that he will make bold promises and even spend crap tons of money on a on a thought he had on yep. vacation. Yep. And you and I don't have that risk. To, we might be that direction, but we don't have that. Mm -hmm. And many companies couldn't manage or they couldn't work under that risk. Pro He's good for what he does, but your company or mine, that may be way too much. Uh, conversely, companies I find that oftentimes die, they've got a three, they've got a pragmatist as a CEO. Nothing wrong with that. But they should be running a, pr a publicly traded company that's in maintenance oh, mode. Oh, I see what you're saying. Is there an ideal for a CEO? There's, there's not an ideal, but there's no question certain people are better optimized for certain stages. Yeah, I was. I wondered if you'd go to stages. Yeah, makes sense. Super stable cash flow business, uh, utility regulation. Probably shouldn't have Elon as a CEO. Right. Nuclear power plant. Yeah, no. Because yes. the, the electricity probably needs to keep running. Yeah, don't don't press the yeah. red button. It doubles the yeah. nuclear output. No, no, don't I, I think that's absolutely. So when I when I see my operator community, I, I talk about people in breeds. The breed is we're we're stimulus junkies, you know. So so is it because we all happen to be one? No, because I found myself with people that are all in early to mid stage companies. Right. Uh, so we're all the same stage. Because yeah. we could work at corporate air quote corporate just meaning late stage, more mature, right. slower growth. But we don't because we prefer and have a higher desire. You can call it risk, you can call it growth, you can call it change. But there's no question the personality in the DNA you're born with will fit better stages. And if they're off alignment, it will definitely kill a business. Following question of that, what's more important? Um, the appropriate risk tolerance or risk profile fit, if you will, for your stage? Mm. Or the courage to make the tough call outside of your risk profile? This is a cheat. I'm going to go with option C. Ah, I like it. Uh, option C is, they call it grit, is determination. Whether you are competent, whether you have good decision-making, I think one of the number one variables, well, A, is a little bit of luck, not quitting. Not quitting. Um, it's incredible what I've learned. What uh, Elon, yes, he's a genius. He does not quit. No, like, he doesn't. If you think no. about the, the the ride of Tesla, the number of times Tesla would have been taken out. Now, obviously, it's a good product. It's a good idea. But we all saw him on the floor, you know, of the of the factory. He does not quit. Um, I've met. Yeah, I'm thinking of a specific C I've worked with. I would have like, oh wow! I, there's no way they're going to make it past next year. Right. It's right. four years later. Right. They're done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be a massive success, but let me tell you, the number one, if you cannot keep it going, you're dead already. Yeah. So, anyways, it's it's that that's it's option C. The the most important thing is determination, and then of course we all get into like, are they smart? Do they yeah. have good decision making? And yes, all of that matters. But yeah, and I don't know if I answered your question. I just diverted. No, it's good. It's a great way to. I, I I'm not a big fan of grit, but uh, I get the the positive attribute. Attribute, but uh, what I find is for a lot of companies, it's an excuse to keep doing a stupid process way too long. 
the downside, I don't like the downside. I'm much more interested in innovation to say, wait a minute, is this working or not? Because maybe we should redesign the system rather than trying to brick, uh, run through a brick wall when it's it's a brick wall. Okay, in that case, I totally understand the question. It's um, intellectually intellectual honesty and self-awareness. Uh, Mark Hawkins was speaking at OG and he said, the people I bet on, they're people who take feedback really well. I was there. I, I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, wait, he's like, if I hear someone that doesn't take feedback, they're done. Right. Cause they're eventually going to, they're eventually going to get in trouble. So yeah. I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Bezos, my bet, not knowing them personally is they learn and evolve. They get feedback and they change. So it's yeah. not decision-making, it's they just learn from mistakes and they learn from others. So they're a constant learner. That's what I optimize for. Uh, that's, that's, that's absolutely great. Um, what's the one question I should have asked that I didn't about scaling? Huh. I have a, a controversial one. Um, in a lot of private meetings with in the group, I come across the very, very common Issues with the CEO, issues with the exec team, it, right? It's just frustrations of why do I work with people that don't see what I see? Why do they just hire their niece, you know? Their brother-in-law, yeah. Like, like, oh my God. And someone said to me something really interesting. And he said, in California, you're made to believe that if you go to the voting booth, you can change taxes. There's a one in 350 million chance you'll ever change the taxes in California. Right. And then there's moving to Texas. You have a hundred percent chance of changing your tax situation. I say that analogy or say that same thing in these private meetings are like, Hey, I think you should leave. Meaning so much of what we talk about is growth, scale, co go. Sometimes it's just not a fit. Yeah. Sometimes the hack is moving to Texas. Right. And all of a sudden your life just got a lot better or you know, you fit more with the Texans or whatever it is. Right. But what we do is natural non-quitters. I'm going to talk to the product person more. I'm going to show the CEO a blog and an article and I'm going to teach. And you know what? You're not going to change your DNA. Yeah. In some cases it works, but in other cases you just realize the right answer is to leave. Yeah, it's, you go someplace else. Yeah. And it's so no one likes saying that. Oh my God, you're a quitter! Did you just leave the team? You can say whatever you want. I actually believe that's an actual viable option. That's an interesting way to do it. It's a, it's funny because that's the that's the flip side of the grit conversation is the discernment associated with should we just quit because. Uh, determination and grit stubbornly is not a good way to go. We should actually stop doing this and start doing something else. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. Okay. Last quick question. Um, we do this with a lot of our founders and CEOs. If we had gone to your junior high school, so you're there mm -hmm. seventh, eighth, ninth oh, grade, man. right? Cause everybody's awkward in junior high. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And had, had we had one of those national geographic, film crews that follows around like a pack of llamas and or not llamas uh, hyenas and, and captures who they are in the wild had we followed you around for a semester in junior high oh, might we have come to the determination that we should place a huge futures bet on you as yeah. a 
dynamic CEO or, or would we have said, oh God, this is the last guy on earth. I thought it was going to be like, what are you? Like how much acne did you have? Oh, oh. oh no. Every, everybody had braces and acne and a bad haircut and you thought you were cool. It's I, like, yeah. Well, it's weird talking about yourself, but I, my guess is my energy level has never changed. Okay. My love for people has not changed. Uh, the biggest one, I, I was a nerd. You know, I, I, I worked really hard at school. So if you did, if you value that, if you value work ethic or smarts, yeah, sure. Then, then the answer, yeah, then, then the answer probably be a yes. Um, if you value coolness, <laughs> if you but value, let's be clear. Seventh grade yeah. coolness is yeah. not cool. Only uh, seventh graders think they're cool. <laughs> if you value calmness, you know. Well, you were calm in seventh grade. No, I wasn't. Oh, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, I, I would guess you are a, a live wire. If you value, you know, charm and calmness, you would not have bet on me. So, right. so I just, I'll, I'll allow you to take the bet. Um, <laughs> some people bet on different things. Um, but yeah, my, 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 my characters are just, I work really hard and I, I was very social um, and, and sure enough, I don't think people's DNA changes that much. And that's a very similar thing at 41. I, I punched my seventh grade teacher in the face and got, and they were going to throw me out. But the problem was it was a Catholic grade school with eight grades. And my parents had nine kids like in 11 years in eight grades, there were seven siblings of mine. And I think they worried and said, we can't throw him out because they might pull all those kids and there's a ton of tuition on the trip. That's it. I think that's the only reason that saved me. But I, I, the guy, the guy called my friend who was from Spain. He was the first non-Caucasian to come into our lily white su suburb. He called him the N-word. And I took offense yeah. and he, he sent me out in the hallway because he had to quell the rebellion. And when he got out he, there, he challenged me to a fight. I mean, my last name is Hitler. I was in a fight every day of my life. I knew how to throw a punch. And, uh, so I hit him right in the jaw and knocked him down. And, and they were like, he was stunned. And yeah. so was the administration. They were like, what do we do with this kid? <laughs> so, so I don't think I had anybody betting much money on me. Yeah. So, uh, or may, maybe as a, as a, as an enforcer for a, an Irish gang or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, that's great. That's great. No, I appreciate your answer. That's, uh, it's the most fun question we have with, with our founders. That's really cool. Because right. everybody's equal in seventh grade. There's nobody that was, that, that wasn't their best three years of their life. You go, that's funny. No, that was a hard, those yeah. are hard years. Uh, junior <laughs> high are hard years. So that's great. That's great. Well, Casey, thank you so much for appearing on Genius at Scale. Um, for our regular listeners, uh, we look forward to seeing you on our ne next episode. All the best. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. All righty. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple, easy, and gives specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.